Mid-morning on a Tuesday morning as we just make our way into a short work week for many. Yeah, some had to work, of course, through the long weekend. But for many, it's not only a long weekend, but a week where the kids are out of school. And a bit of a break from the normal routine, a little bit of a a laid-back week for many. In fact, it's a week a lot of people like to take holidays, even if they're not traveling anywhere. It's a good week to take some time off to be with your kids, be with the family. Uh, And I appreciate the fact that you've spent a bit of it with us right here this morning. Well, last week we were talking about that new proposed shelter that's going up in Sutherland in Saskatoon. And we had people that were weighing in on uh, their concerns about some of the challenges they think might happen in the neighborhood as a result. And many of them point to Fairhaven and say, we've got a situation in Saskatoon right now where we've had some recent acknowledged problems in the neighborhood with a shelter. In fact, the chief of the Saskatoon Tribal Council had to make an adjustment in the fall because there were people causing problems for those who are legitimately there to get help. And so they basically had to said, had to say there's a few people here, a small percentage who we're not going to allow inside because they're causing problems inside for those that are actually trying to get help. Recently, a pastor from Saskatoon has written a letter to the province asking that the wellness shelter be defunded. The letter cites crime, vandalism, some negative impacts on the community since it opened in 2022. Saskatoon Tribal Chief Mark Arcan took exception to that letter, and Chief Arcan joins me this morning. Chief, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for having me, Evan. So the the letter that was written by Pastor Robert Pierce, who's with Fairmont Baptist Church, uh, he wrote a letter to the province, and I saw the news conference that you had following that. You were you were pretty fired up. Help me understand your frustration as things have unfolded here in the last few days. Well, there's a couple points that uh, really have uh, kind of uh, made me disgruntled about this letter because. Uh, he claims that our wraparound services promised that the open house were never delivered. And I can tell people, uh, you know, uh, we've got, we've housed 37 families since October 23 to a different program called Code in One, which is the old monarch yards behind, uh, uh, on 20th Street. That's 37 families in need. Uh, this includes 49 adults and 109 children. That's 158 people we've helped get housing since uh, August of 2023 from our EWC. And we look at the services. We have paramedics that come in daily to assess the relatives' needs. We have a pharmacy that drops off and administers uh, medications to the relatives. We have a nurse practitioner that stops by three times a week to provide referrals to, uh, for relatives. We have the Canadian Mental Health Association. They come bi-weekly to offer services uh, to relatives who struggle with mental health. We have our own internal STC Employment Training Services that come to the EWC every Monday to help with resumes, job searches, training certificates, etc. We have a home detox program called We Chew to Win that, that helps fund this through our programs at STC. Uh, we have an income, assist, income assistance worker from the government of Saskatchewan that comes three to four days of work that helps uh, per week that helps them with assistance then. We have a, a program that helps families, Jordan's principal, that comes and helps uh, families try to support them with their needs. Uh, we have income support workers every day uh, with trying to get them uh, 
IDs and referring them to other ser- services. We have uh, monthly sweat lodge ceremonies for staff and relatives. So I'm contradicting what the, the pastor is saying because when I talked to a few pastors, they told me this pastor is not following the teachings of the Bible. And this is the part that threw me over the edge. When I have an emergency wellness center and throughout our city and throughout this province, uh, it triggered me and my family in regards to back to residential schools when we look at a pastor asking us to defund this facility where it's housing actually 80% of First Nations people inside of this facility. That's another 80 people being put on the street, and it, it's coming from a pastor. And that's disturbing to me because this racism has to stop. It's like a systemic racism issue that's really uh, triggering a lot of people, and I think we've got to work together to solve these issues and uh, you know address these because all we're trying to do is help people. Chief Mark Arcan with the Saskatoon Tribal Council. So, Chief, I have a copy of of the letter here that was written by uh, Pastor Robert Pierce from Fairmont Baptist Church. You, you I, I watched your your news conference the other day, and then just what you said now. To me, there's no doubt that there is great work that is going on and the well-intentioned staff that you've got working inside that are making a difference for people. You've been able to house them. You've been able to get people help. You know, part of what, what we're talking about here, a big part of it is what's happening outside of the shelter, but on the note of racism, the fact that you said racism, he doesn't mention a race anywhere in this letter. So how, how are you pulling those two together, chief? Well, for me, uh, it's like I said earlier, it's, uh, you know, when I look at the, uh, the whole situation, it's, it's affecting First Nations people's lives. And, uh, you know, uh, it goes back to the residential school area of why are people are the way they are in 2024 because of systems and it's, uh, systemic racism. Uh, you know, now we have a, a pastor doing the exact same thing as, uh, being uh, non-supportive to First Nations people when they need all these services that I talked about to fix the trauma of happened back in the, the years of residential schools. And now it's continuing to happen. When somebody says defund them, where are these other 80, 106 people supposed to go? There's no facilities. His, his solution is to put them in uh, 10 cities. Uh, we know 10 cities are not safe. Uh, uh, we've had the Saskatoon Fire Department shut them down. We've seen other cities shut them down, Vancouver, Edmonton. So this is non uh negotiable to me because it's like a, a racism at, a, at its finest and when it's affecting first nations people i'm going to stand up to people and say this is blatantly wrong we've got to find a solution and let's be honest when we talk about the history of homelessness in saskatoon in our province look at the lighthouse of how many problems we've had in that area the 20th street location for many many years now it's growing into other neighborhoods uh, because facilities and people are growing in this area. Crime is going with that. I acknowledge all of that. But at the same time, uh, we've got to address the racism and we've got to all work together because it's going to divide us and we shouldn't be dividing. We should be working together to help people as much as we can. So, I, I I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Chief, on the note that we need to work together. And I think about the work that I used to do. In fact, you and I were on a couple of provincial drug task force together uh, trying to deal with the issues of drugs in the province. For me, you know, I, I'm hearing, and, and I, I'm assuming I'll hear again this morning from people that live in Fairhaven that are frustrated with the damage that's happening, some of the, the problems that are happening, not inside your emergency wellness center, but but outside and in the community. And so is this a problem 
that you're not getting enough funding. And I've heard you say before, Chief, that you can't control what's happening outside of the shelter. Do you acknowledge that there are some problems happening outside that are likely because there isn't enough funding to to help keep that community safe? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Evan, I agree with you. Uh, uh, we are uh, seeing those uh, issues, but again, it's uh, I'll say it's inherited. We look at what happened down at the lighthouse. Same thing, crime, vandalism, everything downtown Saskatoon. We know this because of the situations of the homeless people, the addictions, the mental health leads to more crime and uh, all of the negative things that impact a community and a neighborhood. So this is not new to me. However, we need the police to do more. We need uh, the city to do more because you're right. Inside of our facility, we're doing good. We made a call uh, October 1st to ban all of the uh, uh, complex needs people. We've seen a uh, a drastic change inside of uh, police calls coming to our facility. Now it's not about violence and uh, addictions. It's more about uh, health concerns that uh, ambulances coming over, that kind of stuff. Uh, so we've seen that improvement. Now they've moved to a different part of the city. Uh, so somewhere like St. Mary's that's doing the warm-up shelters had some situations there because of lack of staff. So this problem is growing constantly in our city and unfortunately if we don't get a hold of it really quick and make some tough decisions and try to help as many neighborhoods as we can we're going to have a bigger problem than we can handle so you and i chief uh, like i don't live in fairhaven i don't i don't know but i don't think you live in fairhaven so is there i guess what i'm trying to ask is I'm, i'm still pushing you a little bit on the note of racism because what you're saying is the fact that it's a large percentage of the population that are inside using the services of the shelter are indigenous. And as a result, a call to defund the shelter is racist. And, and I'm, I'm still having a tough time with that because I mean, I don't know Pastor Pierce, but I am hearing from people that are saying, look, if this shelter could operate and help people without me finding needles in my garden or damage to my window, then I would love it. But right now I'm frustrated by that. So like, is there room for both conversations? I guess is what I'm asking chief. Absolutely. Uh, because at the end of the day with the, with the data and the results that I'm talking about right now, live shows that we are helping people, but some people still are leaving needles out there because of their addictions and their mental health. Uh, are they vandalizing property? Absolutely. I, I totally 100% agree with that. And I think at the end of the day, it's how do we support those people that are having the vandalism, the needles left in the playground, uh, you know, stuff like that. I, I think these are serious situations where all of Saskatoon has to come together. And when you talk about racism, I keep saying this, it's the systemic racism of how uh, we have to change systems that are not uh, benefiting the First Nations people. Uh, all we're doing is a First Nations organization, and, I, and I, when I talk to a lot of people, they're proud that a First Nations organization is actually stepping up. And I'll go back to when the pandemic was here. We set up a vaccine clinic. Everyone thought it was for First Nations Indigenous people. The answer is no. It's open to everybody. We want to help people because we all work together, we all live together, we all play together. And right now, when we're in this tough field of dealing with homelessness, where it seems like we're always getting attacked because of vandalism, needles in the in the uh, in the community, etc. 
So that problem is growing, and I think it, there's room for both sides of the conversation, but we got to quit uh, targeting First Nations people because all we're trying to do is help. And when I said this earlier, I feel triggered when my family and you've, you've, you hear these uh, defund us because why? We're accountable, we're transparent, we're helping people. So it's like another form of systemic racism that's really not helping the situation because we should be proud that a First Nations organization is actually stepping up and leading by example to try to help not only First Nations people, but everyone that comes to our facility. So we're very proud of that. Saskatoon Tribal Council Chief Mark Arcand. Only have about a minute left here, Chief. There's right now discussions about a new shelter that is set to go up in the old fire hall in Sutherland there. If you were to give the people organizing that and the city advice based on what you're going through, what would it be? Well, number one is uh, the reason why we didn't apply for those facilities because we put we did the numbers and it's going to be underfunded. Number one, uh, the staff uh, ratio to uh, the number of relatives has to be at least five, if not more staff, because you're going to deal with all sorts of people. Uh, number one. Number two, I don't agree with the location because it is too close to a school. Uh, uh, when we look at this whole facility, I think there's other options that we can do, and we can't have this as a band-aid solution in that neighborhood uh, because it will spill out into the community as it's done in our facility, but we need, uh, again, more uh, efforts from the city, uh, the province, and actually the police to solve these issues. So I'm, uh, I'm in support of uh, the concerns of uh, that neighborhood, including uh, Fairhaven. It's just uh, we're underfunded, and we've got to address all of these uh, concerns so we can all have a quality of life and make sure we're all working together to understand. Uh, people say, not in my front yard or my backyard. Well, somebody's got to come up with a solution that benefits everyone in our cities, not only in Saskatoon, but across our province. Chief, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll uh, talk again soon. Thank you, Evan, and be safe out there. Saskatoon Tribal Chief Mark Arcand, who uh, joins me to talk about that shelter in Fairhaven, which has, uh, we, we've been talking about this now for a while. It's been a couple of, of years that it's been up and running. Residents in the community, while supportive of the notion of a shelter in their community, are getting frustrated. And we hear this on calls on the radio. Uh, we see it in letters to the editor. And we recently saw it in a letter to the premier written by Faith Baptist Church pastor Robert Pierce, basically saying, look, this is causing problems in the community. Housing prices are going down. People defecating in the public. Needles being left. Mischief is happening. It, it may not even be people that are using that emergency shelter, but it could be people that are in the neighborhood as a result. And so, you know, as I said to Chief Mark Arcand, I'm not convinced this is a race discussion. I know Chief Arcand feels like it is. Race has nothing to do with it. It's about the the socioeconomic challenges that come with running an emergency shelter in the community. So we are going to open this up. Uh, we've got a call in to Pastor Pierce, and I'm hoping that we will be able to connect with him before 11 o'clock as well. But I want to hear from you. What What needs to be considered when deciding on locations for an emergency shelter? This isn't going away. What do you think needs to be considered? one 332 8255 Your thoughts and our discussion is next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
Just had a good conversation with Chief Mark Arcand of the Saskatoon Tribal Council about that emergency wellness shelter in Fairhaven. In contrast, of course, people that live in Fairhaven, that work in that neighborhood, are frustrated by some of the challenges that they see happening in the community that in many ways are related to activity in and around the wellness center. Now, the text line, since I had Chief Arcand on, has been going nonstop, and I have to say, overwhelmingly, people are saying there is absolutely no doubt there's great work going on inside the shelter. People are supportive. People are supportive of the fact that the Saskatoon Tribal Council stepped up and was willing to run this shelter because it is a complex thing to do. It is not easy to do to run an emergency wellness shelter. But what people are saying is it's not about what's going on inside. Good work is going on inside. Meanwhile, we have problems in our community. Crime is up by hundreds of percentage points in the neighborhood right around the shelter. And as the chief talked about, I mean, he he doesn't receive funding to handle those challenges out in the community, but who should handle it and what kind of impact assessments are being done when we're talking about setting up these shelters, right? I mean, these are conversations that need to be had. There's no question there's a need for shelters in our community, no question. And and I'm not just talking Saskatoon, it's Regina, it's many communities in the province. There is a growing need for it. However, what impact assessments are done? I know, for example, when a harm reduction site is being proposed in the city, and we've seen this in both Saskatoon and Regina, there is an impact assessment that's done to understand what is going to happen to surrounding businesses, to residents that are in the area, to traffic flow, to you, you name it, an impact assessment. Will there be an impact on property values? And then once you do the impact assessment, then you have the ability to say, okay, now, what do we do to mitigate some of those foreseeable problems that are going to happen in the community? And oftentimes, communities are in a rush. They're trying to find, they're putting a round peg in a square hole. So they find a vacant location where they can house an emergency wellness center. Sometimes, whether or not it fits with the community dynamic, and that's what we're seeing unfold in Sutherland right now. So we need to take another break, but when we come back, the phone lines are open. People are calling in. The text line's blowing up as well. 1-877-332-8255. What needs to be considered when deciding on locations for an emergency shelter? Let's have that chat next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We're talking about... Shelters that are uh, a hot topic of conversation in Saskatoon right now. Of course, uh, we, we know that Sutherland has got a shelter that is uh, proposed to be going in the old fire hall, uh, smack dab in the middle of the community. People are frustrated, very close to a couple of schools. The ACT Center, that hockey arena is just behind it. And as a result, the community is coming out in droves saying, look, we need to upfront make some decisions so that our community is not negatively impacted when this emergency wellness center is placed. And this is the conversation that many are saying didn't happen in a fulsome way in Fairhaven. Others say, look, it happened. We just didn't know the extent to which 
these challenges were going to unfold in the community. And so we're asking you the question, what needs to be considered when deciding on locations for an emergency shelter in the community? James in Saskatoon is on the line. Thanks for calling in, James. What are your thoughts? Well, Evan, I'm struck with, this is my community, right? And thus far, I believe everybody who has said their comments is right. I think Chief Arcana is right. I think Robert Pierce is right. And yet, at the end of the day, the product is wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, how is that? How is that? And it goes to execution then, doesn't it? And and you're a detail-oriented individual, and I, I, I pay high respect to, to your capacity to pay attention to that. And it goes to execution. It goes to execution. So, yes, I will say that in Saskatoon, what we had here with the lighthouse was not a desired activity. It clearly people who, anybody who went to downtown Saskatoon knew we had a problem. And you have to be naive to think that we didn't. Then going beyond that, then thank God, thank God, we were, we were uh, successful to have an agency like Saskatoon Tribal Council to want to partner with the province in trying to be part of the solution. Absolutely. We should be so lucky to have an entity of this. But then things went wrong. Was it the fault of Chief Arcan? I don't think so. Was it, the, was it the fault of the people in the community? I do not think so. I think Fairhaven, as I used to live there, is a, um, is a, is a community made up of blue-collar people. They all know what it's like to try and get to the next run, Right? That community has always been predicated and built upon trying to help one another to get to that next step up. But the reality is, is the community is saying to you, don't come to my community and make me have to tolerate your drug issues and, and, and make me have to lower my standard to I want to be able to ha- help you up. So why did this all fall apart? In my estimation, it was the lack of responsiveness by the Saskatoon police. It was the lack of responsiveness because as you identified, when, when a safe injection site comes into your community, a, criminal assessments are, are easily made. And in fact, Chief Cooper made an, uh, an application to our Saskatoon City Council where he stood up and said, I need eight additional officers. Right. You're exactly right. The, the, he, and he got eight additional office officers. It, Exactly. So his many years of criminology has built upon that and foundational to him understanding. So clearly it wasn't a far stretch of an imagination to understand that when we moved people from the lighthouse to a different location, that all of a sudden now we have the necessity for more need in that community. But yet the Saskatoon police, as I understand it, maybe I will be corrected to be wrong, but as I understand it, decided to go on a complaints-driven uh, call response. And that was wrong for this occasion. Well, and I, but I think, James, and I, I'm just going to jump in for a second. I, I, in my conversations with Chief Cooper and with the Saskatoon Police Service, the, the reality is this complex problem is, is becoming bigger in the city. And as a result, they, it wasn't as simple as just taking the officers from downtown and moving them into Fairhaven, maybe through a budgeting process and an increase like they did with the safe consumption site. They could explore something like that. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses or defend. All I'm saying is anytime you need an increase in resources, 
if you don't get money to increase them, then you've got to pull them from somewhere. And so where are you, what, what area of the city is going to suffer so that more resources can move into, in this case, Fairhaven? I, I mean, I think it's a fair comment. Whose role is it? The city police absolutely have a role in helping keep that community safe. But in the absence of, of funding to assist with that, something from the day-to-day work is likely going to suffer. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I want to go to Terry next in Saskatoon. I understand you've got some experience with city planning, correct, Terry? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, we've uh, been involved heavily looking at the history of how this became a brown for Fairhaven. Uh, things that were done behind closed doors. When they said that there was consultation, there really wasn't. It was announced, and then they just let people complain without really doing anything about it after the fact. There's been a serious increase in crime, 1,100% right at that address, in fact, between there and that large apartment block. And uh, you, you hear the chief talking about how he's helping people, but he doesn't talk about the devastation to the community, and he's the one that picked that location. So when people question his leadership, and he goes to talking about racism or talking about colonialism, that's deflection because the real facts are that his choice for that location has devastated Fairhaven. And so when he talks about a few gains, he doesn't want to talk about the losses openly. And that's going to happen again in Sutherland now because they're going to talk about having different controls for 30 people that they don't give for 106 in Fairhaven. So, Terry, on a professional level, what kind of impact assessments can be, should be, or are done up front to prevent those sorts of things from happening? Well, the first thing you do is you've got to look at what the spillover of this uh this use is going to be in a residential area. This was a peaceful residential area. It's a large public park, in fact, next door that's hardly used now. And why did that location have to be chosen? Just because it was a vacant building. It is not suited to take people that are really, for the most part, out of control. They're having problems with their life, either in a great extent or a small extent. Until they calm down and are able to be properly housed in a residential area, they shouldn't be there. And yet someone's made the decision that we're going to assimilate through osmosis. Everybody's just going to be happy. And that isn't working out for Fairhaven. And when they don't, when they can't deal with them properly within the shelter, first thing they do is kick them out. Besides, every day they walk out as, as they wish anyway. This isn't a hold facility, which again would be different. And, and, well, and in our province, we don't have that right now. We don't have a secure treatment facility. I <laughs> I feel like I've banged on that drum a few times. Not everybody agrees with me, but I feel like for those serious, complex cases, that is something that we have to consider. All right, I want to squeeze in one more call before the break. Victoria in Saskatoon, it's this notion of getting information versus having your opinions heard that has you worked up, Victoria. Uh, yes, thank you for having me. It's Victoria Ditkowska. I'm a Saskatoon uh, resident since 2009, and I'm a Canadian citizen. And I'm I'm pretty shocked, and uh, you know, uh, about how this all happened behind the closed doors. I think the main thing that was missed is the consultations, the true, honest consultations with the previous experienced, uh, you know, communities. Like just just here about February 6th at 10 a.m. on Monday. There was a stabbing in, in one of these communities of a 14-year-old boy. And we've heard a lot of, uh, you know, uh, crime reports. Crimes went up in these communities that have similar shelters. Yes, bigger size, but the issue is the issue. You have to consult with the community. You have to hear them out. 
you have to consider all those spillover effects. It's kids. It's by elementary school. It's unheard of. It's unbelievable. I cannot believe this is happening in Canada and especially in Saskatoon. Such a close and nice and warm and small community. Everyone knows each other. How can these people who made this decision even look in the eyes of the citizens of Saskatoon? It's, it's, it's about it's about consultation for sure. And and you know we talked about that last week when we had this discussion. The notion of an information session where you come as a community member and we tell you information versus a true community consultation, which is this is what we're thinking. What do you think? And based on that, we will consider when we make our bigger decision and and a lot of people are feeling like they weren't consulted on this. Okay. We need to take a break. I know we're going to try and get a hold of Fairmont uh, Baptist church pastor, Robert Pierce. I'm hoping maybe we'll connect with him before the top of the hour as well. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. We're talking about the Fairhaven shelter. We just had a conversation with chief Mark Arcan from the Saskatoon tribal council his frustration with the letter that was written by the Fairmont Baptist Church pastor, Robert Pierce. I've got a copy of the letter here. In it, Pastor Pierce talks about the fact that crime rates have gone up. Uh, there's, the ratio is out of alignment in terms of the number of workers to the number of people that access and use the shelter. Uh, reference to lack of emergency medical technicians, not enough bathrooms in there. Here to talk more about the letter that was written and why it was an essential move for him to make is Pastor Robert Pierce. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you. I'm uh, really glad to be able to be online with you today. So the the notion, I, I guess I'm going to start with, with this question, Pastor, because people, I think, probably those that are, are critical of your letter are saying, how is it that a church, which has and embraces all of these Christian morals that come with it, would advocate for the defunding of something like a wellness center. What are, what are your thoughts to that statement? Well, you know, I uh, it, it really breaks my heart every time I think about this question because you know, for since the beginning, before even the open houses, we reached out to the FCC and we said, "Hey, you know, we're we're a church just 200 meters down from you. We want to help. Like we've been helping people on 20th Street and ministries along there. We we." This is a great opportunity for us to come alongside and help. And we never heard from them. And then at the open house, we went and you walked in and there's this big lobby full of partners that they have to deal with, you know, poverty and, and homelessness and uh, addictions and alcoholism, what have you. And, and it was great, you know, that all those things seemed to be going to be delivered in that shelter from the open house. We went into the meeting. Um, I didn't meet with Tree Parkhan very, very briefly. Um, it's the only time I met him. It was like under 30 seconds. Um, I did get the name of the manager, the shelter manager, and the name of the, one of the coordinators, and we tried to contact them to see how we could help. We never heard back. Um, and to this date, you know, I've, I've never had a chance to meet Char- Chief Arcan and talk about issues, despite several attempts to be offering to do that. Um, but what breaks my heart is, you know, for over a year, I've been meeting with over 100 people from that shelter. And we've been meeting some needs with coffee and water and some meals and a ride to the hospital and uh, good conversations, use of our bathrooms, you know. And and every time, you know, we're able to help somebody, they share a story with us. And, and I love that. They, they share this life story. But I hate the story because the story is tragic. There's some kind of trauma going on that, that that's causing issues. 
they compound that with really bad life decisions. And we just want to see them get everything they need to be helped. And when I look at our community and, and I look at all the issues that are happening in our community and how we're trying to um, inject and interact with the homeless who are coming to our community, it's very obvious that if their needs were actually being met, we wouldn't be having these issues. We wouldn't be seeing severely escalated crime rates. We wouldn't be seeing more violent crimes. Um, we wouldn't be seeing discarded needles everywhere. Their needs would be met in, in the way that they need to be met. And that's what really breaks my heart. So when we come to this position after a year of trying to work with the Minister of Social Services and trying to work with other people and, and trying to bring about changes that, that could actually be positive and helpful, um, not just for the homeless, but for our community, obviously, because I'm after the win-win solution here, right? And we should all be after a win-win solution here. I think what we come to see is this is failing, and, and it's not working. And it's a lot of money being invested in something that isn't getting to the root issues and, and helping people recover from poverty and homelessness and addictions and what have you. Fairmont Baptist Church Pastor Robert Pierce, just in the last minute or bit that we've got here, Pastor, is it is it a funding thing? Is it an injection of funding that would solve this problem, or... Do you still think that location needs to be scrapped? It needs to be revisited, reborn somewhere else? Well, I think the problem is, is it, it's in calling, in calling for the closure, we want to see it replaced with something that works, right? That's something that really wants to help people. And I think in the end of the day, we're, we're not seeing that. And the government isn't invested in, in really working with the community to try and make a better solution. The promises that were made to us, you know, there was supposed to be one peacekeeper per five relatives. There was supposed to be EMTs regularly scheduled every single day. Um, Chief Arcan said the EMTs are coming on a daily basis, Pastor. Well, and, and if that, I could be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong about that if that is the case. But if that is the case, why are why are we hearing sirens going there several times a day? Why are we, you know, and, and that could be because there's more need. I don't know. I do know that if the EMTs are on site, I'm really glad to hear that, and I'm happy to be wrong about that point. I really am. But at the end of the day, there's two bathrooms for 106 people. And the end of the day, the, the shelter, you know, the, the things that we hear from the homeless is that they sleep with one eye open. I mean, they're sleeping on a cot in a big open space with a bunch of people. Um, so it's, it's just, again, like we, you know, it, we need to examine the things that we're doing and be willing to change them. And so one of the things we did suggest to the government is that a shelter should be under 30 people, for example, right? Because mm-hmm. it makes it more manageable. Is your, is your letter, Pastor, we're just running out of time, is your letter right. available online for people to see? Yep. It's it on, is. I think I saw it on your Twitter account, correct? It is. Uh, it is open and available online, and I think it's important, important people understand the context of it behind it, because a letter obviously doesn't always carry the context, right, of a, of a year and a half of trying to do things. In, in a yes or no answer, does race have anything to do with your comments? Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I assume that. I, I pushed Chief Arcand on that. I think, you know, the chief is leaning into systemic racism. The fact that a big portion of the people accessing and using the shelter are Indigenous. But, I mean, I, you know, I felt I felt a bit defensive on your behalf because in my read of this letter, it does, doesn't look to me like race is a factor. We've run out of time, Pastor, but okay. I'd love to have you back and, and discuss this further sometime. Absolutely. I'd love that. Fairmont Baptist Church Pastor Robert Pierce, thank you all for the conversation on the shelter in
um, Saskatoon, which I know we are far from done talking about. I apologize to the callers and the texters that I wasn't able to get to, but with Sutherland and this continued discussion, we will be revisiting this, I'm sure, in the days and weeks ahead. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.